solo. We're doing them solo. This week is solo. This one is his. Okay, Gav. Hello there. So, my thoughts on Solo, a Star Wars story. Was it called a smuggler's tale? Is that? Did they still call it that? No. No, they dropped that by the looks of it. Okay. <clears throat> so, I went to see this with uh, no preconceptions whatsoever. Insert laugh track here. I was worried. I was really worried about this movie. I thought it was going to be absolute garbage. Um, <clears throat> so, I uh, just, just got back, uh, finished seeing it about half an hour ago. And I'm conflicted, listeners. Um, there were parts of it that I really, really liked. Uh, I thought it looked great for the most part. I um, really enjoyed the yeah the, the aesthetics of it. Uh, it actually got me a little bit uh, initially. <clears throat> so for those who haven't seen it, turn off now. For those who have seen it, continue listening. Um, so the opening scene is on... Uh, Corellia, and it's a car chase, uh, and and then we find out a little bit of backstory. It turns out, turns out Solo uh, Han is 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 under the thumb of uh, some <clears throat> what's what's the character's name? She's called like Mistress something, right? Lady Proxima. That's it. Okay, so uh, we meet uh, Han and Kira on uh, Corellia. And it's clear they're in love because he plants a kiss on the right way. Uh, I'm not going to go through the whole film, but um, from that point, I was I was still kind of arms folded and thinking, ah, I'm not so sure about this. Particularly the moment in the opening uh, car chase scene. I guess it's not a car chase; it's an escape scene where he puts the the, the dice on the mirror. I'm like, oh, already, really, already? I kind of expected him to to win those maybe later in uh, later in the film. So we get through that. Um, then he goes and is presented to um, Lady Proxima, and it, it looked like a big creature to me. Uh, I'm curious. Uh, at first, I was I, I, I reeled back a little bit because I was like, "Oh, this seems a little bit silly and over comedic." But if it was, it's probably a mix of, of CG and um, an actual model work, but or, or creature work. But it, it actually looked it looked like a real physical thing, and I quite like that. Um, so it's starting to win me over a little bit. Uh, but but the the part that then then we have the, the the exciting escape from Lady Proxima and her her goons, um, uh, and when they get split up at the airport, uh, the, the skyport, spaceport, I suppose it would be, um, and then flash forward. Uh, at that moment, I was kind of like, "Ha! Huh, it looks okay. Interesting that uh, that Han joined the, um, the the Empire in order to get away." And um, when when he's on that kind of, I had a bit of a stylistic issue with the the planet that he's on uh, when he's in the war. Um, it just kind of felt a bit like that they were trying to do World War One in space, uh, although they're a big droids and stuff. It was very trenchy and muddy and stuff. Um, I, that was enjoyable. I mean, it was it was yeah. Like I said at the start, I'm conflicted on this movie because I I, fit, I I rather enjoyed that that scene and. And I'm not entirely sure. I'm just not sure about it. I'm not sure. But it did kind of made me, made me reel, reel back a little bit and kind of question. So huh, I'm not entirely certain uh, how I feel about that. But then we meet um, Woody Harrelson's character, Beckett, and um, his band of, of merry folks, including uh, Thandi Newton plays Val and... Uh, uh, Rio, who 
Oh, it's voiced by John Favreau, according to IMDb. I kind of recognize the voice, but I got distinct Rocket vibes from from um, uh, from Rio. Uh, I just he made me think of. Uh, at first, I was like, "Is that Bradley Cooper?" It made made me think of of the Rocket character from Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, but I suppose you know, uh, Star Wars has. has, has always had those kind of comic relief characters. So, so I actually really liked the character. Um, but then, um, uh, he gets betrayed by them and, and turned over and this is where we meet Chewie. Uh, at first I wasn't entirely sure it was going to be Chewie. I, I, I thought, Oh, it's probably going to be Chewie. And then I was like, wait, no, is it going to be like, uh, Rancor or something like that? But no, it was Chewie. Uh, and, Han quickly wins Chewie over by uh, speaking a little bit of Wookiee, which is something that we, we never see uh, later on. They just kind of speak English. And, well, Chewie speaks Wookiee and Han understands it. And then Han, Han uh, speaks English and Chewie understands it later, obviously. Don't know why I'm telling you this. Anyway, uh, the the escape from... And, and this is where... Uh, the reason I'm kind of going over it in, in a bit more detail is this is where it, it, it had me still. So we got to um, the planet where they're going to do the heist uh, with the train. And uh, the shot that, the, where they're standing on the, the rigging apparatus, the bit that the, the like metal structure underneath the ship. And there's, there's some like sweeping, very pretty pic- uh, images of, of, of the planet that they're, that they're approaching. Uh, I actually was like this. I, I'm kind of digging this. I'm, I'm enjoying this. I hope nothing takes the shine off of it. Um, uh, then that whole sequence, a little bit forgettable, um, but but fine. Uh, they, uh, they they they're trying to heist this this one rail car full of the the, the substance. I keep wanting to call it kratosis, but that's not what it's called, is it? It's ah uh, uh, never mind the um, MacGuffin-y type device coaxium. There you go, coaxium. That's what it's called. Uh, so they're trying to steal the coaxium. And we find out, initially we think uh, Woody Harrelson and his, his band of, of, of thieves are doing this for themselves, but it turns out they're working for uh, Paul Bettany, uh, who is the, 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 uh, a, an operative within this Crimson Dawn organization. Um, I thought his performance was good. I liked his introduction, the fact that we, we just kind of cut to him in his office and, and he's got like a stabby lightsaber blade type thing. It's 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 almost like a like a double end double edged physical knife with lightsaber edges to it like wobbly Kylo Ren style lightsaber edges to it and I thought that was a nice image it tells us right away that he's 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 pretty evil um, and the way he looked uh, he has these these scars on his face which become more pronounced when he's agitated or obviously there's more blood flowing to them or something. Um, and and the, as soon as I saw him, I, I, I was like, "Oh, Darth Maul's in this movie." Um, spoilers. I'm just going to jump to it. I honestly, when when at the end where Kira is talking to Darth Maul, I I literally said out loud, "Darth Maul," and there was a, a, a like a kind of sting, duel of the fate sting, and I was just like. I did not expect a prequel callback in this movie. That is ridiculous. And from his credit, I think he's not Darth Maul yet, but it actually was Ray Park. I thought it was some some kind of CG monstrosity, but no, it actually was 
the man himself, Ray Park, uh, as Darth Maul. And uh, yeah, I bet he thought he'd never get a role in a Star Wars movie again after the flop. Well, I guess it wasn't really a flop, was it? But the widely derided uh, episode one. Um, but, you know, spinning, that's a good move. Uh, so, so back to back to back to the rest of the film. Uh, it was those sorts of things that that I had problems with. It was it was the fan service portions, which, to its credit, there weren't a huge amount of. I thought Rogue One suffered from it worse than this did, uh, unless I just wasn't being observant and and there weren't there there there, there were more of them. The only ones I can really think of are that. Um, the helmet that uh, Woody wears, uh, Woody Harrelson, who I just want, want to call Woody because, you know, well, he's, 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 Woody, he's Woody Harrelson, uh, that Beckett wears um, when they go to the planet, uh, when they go to uh, Kessel, Planet Kessel, to steal the unrefined uh, coaxium. Uh, that's that, you know, uh, uh, what's his name? Um Bloody hell, uh, Lando wears that uh, that helmet in the scene. I believe it's it's the scene where Luke and uh, the well, well, it's the scene on on uh, Jabba's uh, pleasure. Uh, what do you call it? Yacht. Um, interesting parallel between this. But bad guys have big ships that are yachts. I suppose this was more of like a hov- hovery thing. Jabba's was, but still. Um. There was yeah, there was those kind of the only two I can think of right now off the top of my head, aside from things like the Falcon and, and that sort of thing. Oh no, uh, the 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 chess, the the um, uh, hollow hollow chess with the the monsters. Which again, unless someone's doing really good CG work, th- those look like real stop motion little stop motion characters that have been kind of paid attention to. And I, it, despite the fact it's 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 to 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 give fan service, I. I appreciate the effort that goes into recreating those. And I'd love to see a side-by-side, I'm sure someone's done it, a side-by-side of, of how those characters look in comparison uh, from 77 to now. Um, and I, I get the feeling that, that whoever did them watched that scene where you can where you can see it, see, see those in, in, uh, in A New Hope and did their very best to recreate them uh, as well as possible. I just, I haven't seen CG that looks like stop motion as much as that did. So I, I, that's why I kind of get the feeling it was actual stop motion. I quite enjoy that. At least there's a lot of effort. That's one thing I will say for the movie. Um, as seems to be the trend with these uh, later Star Wars movies, the, the, the more contemporary Star, Star Wars movies, there was a lot of practical, uh, there, were, there were a lot of practical effects in, in it. And I, I, I got to applaud it for that. I enjoy that sort of stuff. Obviously, there's a ton of CG in it as well. I'm sure there are prob- there's probably more effects shots in the movie than there aren't. So, you know, there's a greater percentage of shots that have had some kind of computer modification to them. Uh, not counting things like color grading, uh, than than haven't, but nonetheless, like you can't, you, you just can't build a big model train type thing on the side of a mountain. You know, it's it's probably impossible engineering wise and prohibitively expensive, even if you can. So I understand you've got to do some green screen green screen work, but where you can making things real uh, for me adds a dimension of uh, legitimacy that's that uh, uh, the the prequels in particular didn't have they they always felt everything felt very separate and 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 not real it didn't feel like a real world and i'll definitely give this movie 
credit where it's due that the this movie felt like it was set in in I won't say a real world because but but a real universe. Um. So. Uh, as soon as uh, when, when they're having uh, the discussion after after that scene with, with the train heist, they go to Paul Bettany's uh, lair. I guess it's, it's it's kind of office, and they have to tell him, you know, we we lost the coaxium, um, and uh, there's a moment as soon as as soon as that scene started, I thought this is this is the feed into the castle run because they they've got to. They've got to do the the Kessel Run in this movie. It, it, I'm not. I didn't predict it. Um, uh, lots of people have before me, but Planet Kessel was gonna was gonna feature in this movie. So uh, we find out that uh, the Kessel Run. The reason it's called the Kessel Run is because uh, it's it's surrounded by this um, this. Oh, what did they call it? They called it. Uh, Lando pronounced it funny, which is why I, I thought I'd remember it, but. Um, I can't quite remember it. Uh, yeah, anyway. Um, Maelstrom! They called it the Maelstrom. So it's, it's, to get to Kessel, you have to go through this narrow channel, uh, that takes you through a Maelstrom, which is like this, this area of, I think, uh, the, uh, the droid character, K, it, no, L3 said it. Um, it's like ionized gas and dust and bits of planet and shit crashing into one another and and potentially uh nebula or gas breathing life forms so yeah it, it it's i knew they were going to end up in there at some point and and that's how they were going to do the the kessel run in 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 less than fewer than 12 parsecs um but uh, but so I, I quite there, there's an element of it I enjoyed after they go through the channel and they get to Planet Castle, uh, they pull that, that this heist that uh, that Kira is is selling uh, Han and Chewie as slavery um, as slaves uh, in exchange for uh, the the spice and, and actually the 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 representative the the kind of chief guy who uh, meets them on the landing pad reminded me a lot of uh, the helpers of the guild navigators in in, in the dune mo- dune movies uh because he had these little pipes that the uh, little gassy bits like brown gas and and drips would come out of because he was clearly breathing a different atmosphere um and, and so yeah it's just good kind of an aesthetic nod maybe uh or at least you know it reminded me of of, of those characters in in uh, david lynch's dune movie uh, but uh, they're, they're running this heist, and the idea is that they're going to break out, and uh, that Chew- Han and Chewie are going to break out and go and steal the uh, the, the coaxium. And um, uh, Woody and I'm just going to call him Woody. Screw it. Woody and Kira are going to uh, take over the control room so that they can they can get out. Uh, but L three, the the sassy uh, female droid, who uh, companion of of. Donald Glover's uh, Lando Calrissian. Sidebar: I enjoyed Donald Glover's performance in this immensely. Um, I thought that he clearly it, it showed to me that he'd studied B- Billy Dee Williams' mannerisms and voice because he 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 was putting on a voice that was very similar, uh, and and just the way he he looked and moved, the occasional mannerisms definitely really reminded me of Billy Dee Williams. So I thought he did a great job in this. Uh, but L three uh, L three inspires a droid rebellion by taking all of the, taking one of the the, the droids um, 
uh, restrictor bolts, is that what it's called? Anyway, um, restraining bolts off, and uh, yeah, and so so disaster and and um, rebellion encompasses the, uh, uh, the 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 mining operation. Uh, this there was a there was a moment in this where where in this whole scene where I was like, mm, not not sure I like that. Uh, and it was the moment where Han gets to the vault where all the coaxium's stored, and there's like a big old guard standing out front, and he just kicks him in the balls, and that's it. What it reminded me of was, and the the, the parallels that I think might be drawn elsewhere. I don't think I'm completely unique in thinking this is well in uh oh shit whichever indiana jones movie it is where uh harrison ford just shoots the the, the guy with the whip uh, or the guy with the the swords anyway the big guy who's and you kind of think oh there's gonna be a big fight scene and then he completely undercuts it by shooting him one of one of my most favorite scenes in all of the indiana jones movies uh it's supposedly because he had a cold and didn't want to do the fight scene there was a choreographed fight but uh harrison ford was sick uh, don't know if that's true. Felt like a nod to that. Uh, felt a little bit obvious to me. But um, yeah, I think it would have been nice if that guy had stood up again and been like, uh, you know, uh, that's not where my balls are kept or something like that. If they're going to do a ball gag, then at least follow through on it. Ball gag. Um, so so yeah, uh, uh, in that in that scene as well, uh, Chewie, it's discovered that, that uh, or it's, it's revealed rather earlier in the show that, uh, earlier in the movie, that, that Chewie... Um, the the the, the Wookiees of Kashyyyk were enslaved by the Empire and spread throughout the galaxy. So he sees a group of of Wookiees uh, who are slave labor uh, in the uh, in, in the spice mines of Kessel and and helps them to to escape. But uh, I, I think that the I, I think that that scene is is decent. But I felt like it was all in service of. Uh, the only reason they, they have to go to Kessel is because they want to make the Kessel run in less than 12 parsecs. They want to show that on screen and explain what it means. Because there's this thing that we all, those of us who followed Star Wars, know that, that the word parsec was used, and parsec's a measure of distance, not a measure of time. Um, so it, it's, 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 it was always taken as a line that meant, uh, you know, I, I did it in this short amount of time. But it turns out that the reason you can't make it in, in less than 20 parsecs is because you've got to go down this, uh, you know, circuitous corridor that safe, safely passes you through the maelstrom. And as they're heading out, uh, they run into an Imperial uh, Star Destroyer. Uh, that's, and they have to escape from a squadron of TIE fighters. And the way they do that is by going through uh, the maelstrom. And um, yeah that scene was was fine i mean it was it was okay but it just felt like it was all in service of of this thing the 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 giant hp lovecraft style uh, maelstrom dwelling octopus type thing was was uh okay in the end but at first uh, the, the the first thing that popped into my mind when they they turn the light light on or clear some some dust and you see this big eye was there's always a bigger fish it just again a, a little bit of a prequel flashback and that's something that this movie suffered from a little bit, um, but not terribly, not as badly as I was expecting it to. Um, overall, I had a very positive view of this film. There were just these few minor bits that made me think that, that, that a little bit of Lord and Miller stuck around. Um, or it was Lawrence Kasdan. I don't know, and I don't think we ever will. Interesting to see that Lord and Miller got exec producer um, credits for this. 
Uh, for those of you that don't know, they were originally supposed to, or were originally directing the movie. Um, I guess Disney execs, some people saw what they were doing with the movie and uh, hated it. So they were reportedly fired, but apparently, I don't know. Yeah, probably fired and, and given um, exec producer credits by the looks of things. Uh, and then Ron Howard was put in to direct it. But uh, yeah, as far as visual style goes, I, I, I loved pretty much every element of the, of the movie. Um, the, uh, the Millennium Falcon looked good. Oh, okay. Here's something else that kind of made me groan. Uh, the fact that there were two games of Sabak, uh, the, the, the card game and the fact that they didn't do anything more interesting with it than make it space poker. Uh, I, I would have much rather that they made that something slightly more interesting, a bit more, I don't know, uh, alien, I suppose. The fact that it was it was an ill-defined card game, uh, it just felt like a bit of a cheat to me. That gambling scene is fine, and it's and and particularly it's an introdu- introduction of uh, of Lando, and um, the fact that they don't like one another uh, at first, but there's a kind of grudging respect there. I enjoyed that. I thought that was a fun element. Um, and as I said, I really enjoyed Donald Glover's portrayal of Lando. I thought he did an excellent job. Actually, something that I didn't even think about was uh, Alden Ehrenreich, is that his name's uh, uh, portrayal of Han Solo. I thought he did fine. Um, I, I thought it was it was okay. I, I, there's a risk in, in uh, doing an, an earlier version of such a seminal character. And funnily enough, my reference point for that is young Indiana Jones. Uh widely considered not to be the best portrayal and it uh, doesn't really ring true if you put them back to back if you put uh, uh Harrison Ford's portrayal of of Indiana Jones in after the I don't even know the, the name of the actor uh the the young Indiana Jones Chronicles which was a TV show so it was it was a bit cheaper a bit more light light and airy type fare and actually as a show quite enjoy it uh only if you take it separately from the movies though which uh which is a, a trend, I, I think, in, in certain things. But uh, but there's a, there's a risk there where you can kind of end up screwing over the character. And we've even seen this in the Star Wars movies. Uh, Hayden Christensen and Jake Lloyd's portrayal of Anakin kind of ruin later badass Darth Vader because he's just a whiny little wuss. And and he's, he's driven by uh, teenage emotions. So the, the Darth Vader that we meet in the... Uh, in the first run of films, is a little bit undercut. A lot of the shine's a little bit taken off, in, in my opinion, from the portrayal of a, a, his younger self. And I don't think that's necessarily the case here. Uh, he's fairly true to character. Um, the naivety is interesting. Uh, the fact that he continues to trust Kira until spoilers again, uh, until she betrays him at the end. Uh, speaks to, to to what's made him much more jaded and cynical in the in the original movies, uh, and less trusting of anybody. Uh, the same with uh, with uh, the Beckett character Woody. Um, the fact that that he he double crosses, which I mean, let's face it, from the second we saw him on screen, we knew that that was going to happen. But nonetheless, uh, the the fact that that he double crosses him again, it's it's all it's all evidence that that you don't trust anyone. Um, and it seems like, like he's, he's striking. There's a, there's a moment where, where, uh, Beckett says, says to him, um, uh, I I don't trust anyone. Never trust, never trust anyone. And, um, Han says that must be a lonely way to live. So 
I think he strikes a balance in the end because he clearly trusts Chewie implicitly uh, and ends up trusting Luke and Leia. Um, but whatever, it's uh, I'm probably prattling too much on this. But to summarize, because I've gone uh, like 20 four minutes at this moment and that's probably long enough to summarize i enjoyed the movie there are a couple of elements of it that that took me out of of what was an otherwise very enjoyable star wars story um but yeah i, I don't think it's something that i'll go back to regularly um i, I do kind of want to see it again just to just to see what i missed i want to see it in 2d i saw it in 3d this time and uh, the glasses started to bug me after a while but I, it's not as terrible as I was expecting, which is a horrible underhanded compliment to it, but it really isn't. Um, it's, it's, it's perfectly passable. It's not deserving of the poor performance, I don't think, that it's getting at the box office. Uh, honestly, I think it's better than Rogue One, and I liked Rogue One a lot, um, but I, I think, it's, I think it's, it's slightly better than Rogue One just because it's less dour. Um, and, uh, and there's a little bit more levity in it, which, which personally I enjoy. Um, some of the jokes really fell pretty flat for me as well. Not, so, not as much as, as some of them in, um, The Last Jedi actually, but, uh, some of the comedic moments, uh, there were, there were a couple of people laughing in the, in the theater and, uh, they just fell flat for me. Um, like I said, the Darth Wall moment. Uh, not the best. Um, if you're going to include anyone, I don't think that's that's the person you do you go to. We try and forget. Uh, so yeah, curious to see if they do anything with that and uh, and build upon that. And maybe um, he he's it seemed like he's he's you know involved in the um, in the, the syndicate that they're involved with, the Crim- Crimson Dawn. Maybe even the leader of. Uh, given the fact that he's red, maybe I don't know. Could could be uh, could be an implication there. But uh, overall, yeah, I didn't think it was necessary. Didn't think we needed that. Um, is there anything that I have missed? If there is, then I think uh, I think I think Mark will will probably mention it in his because he he tends to pay attention attention to things better than I do. Uh, oh, it was sad when Rio died because uh, he he talks about you know uh, oh there are opportunities on Tatooine and I thought oh is he going to be the the proprietor of the cantina he talks about like, about uh, about like setting up a cantina um oh no he, he didn't say tattooing he said set up a cantina somewhere uh and and i took that because the word cantina i took that to be tattooing but in the end um uh the, the the purportedly before he gets killed again spoilers um beckett was going to be going to tattooing but uh yeah that's probably what's gonna gonna lead them there in fact i think in in the last shot of the movie that's that's what where where they're headed. So, yeah. Um, next, you're probably going to hear Mark's thoughts. I think we're going to do it in that order. Uh, if not, then then I hope you enjoyed them previously. But uh, but yeah, the the whole idea of this was to do um, solo reviews or not reviews thoughts on on this movie. So yeah, hope you enjoyed it. 